Welcome to the Nintendo Fusion Podcast, a podcast that fuses past, present, and future Nintendo thought. I'm David, accompanied by my friend Jordan. Now, Jordan, are you sufficiently a squid? I, I guess I, I am now. <laughs> if you've been following our previous episodes, I was kind of skeptical about getting Splatoon 3. And I said, if they would resolve the like three main <laughs> issues I had with Splatoon 2, I'll pick it up. And then David pointed out that they did resolve all those. So I uh, <laughs> followed through on my promise and bought Splatoon 3. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you did. I mean, those three things were pretty big and i'm really glad that they got fixed too like one of them was easier connectivity with friends yes. is that right yeah uh, and then salmon run 24 7 and then i can't remember the third one uh i didn't like having to watch the intro videos where they explain oh, that's the, right the modes and now you can just have it be like a radio cast up in the top corner, yep. which is so good. I could just ignore so it. So nice. <laughs> yeah, you can totally ignore it because then you can just open up your menu and click over the tab to whatever mode you're going to play and see the maps right there. It's like, that's all the information I needed anyway. Like, look, I love Callie and Marie. They're great. I loved Pearl and Marina, but it was obnoxious loading up the game and having to hear them tell us what stages were up next. Yeah. So. Um, and it definitely wasn't just me that thought that because like uh, so I got the game and then my roommate saw that I got the game and was like, oh, I don't want to get the game because and then he listed like the exact same reasons. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, they're gone now. He's like, ah, crap. And then so he got the game and then convinced his brother to get the game. And then we also convinced <laughs> another friend to get the game. All of them all said they wouldn't get this game for those exact same reasons. So that's honestly kind of amazing. Like. Do you hear that Nintendo? That's like four or five sales because you fixed those three things. And it's not Congratulations. like they were hard things to fix either. Honestly, it's probably easier to just have them <laughs> not be in the game. Like you have to actively design the game to be awful that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you consider a lot of other um, like multiplayer type games and there isn't even a an introduction cutscene like at all. You just literally can queue right into a map and you're you're good to go. Yeah, it's mostly because Splatoon only lets you have like two maps per game mode at a time, which I mean, I understand that limitation. But at the same time, I wish that all maps were available just randomly. Um, I think that that would make for a much more interesting uh, competitive experience. But, you know, I, I kind of digress. It, it is what it is. It's been the same way since. Splatoon. Well, isn't one of the reasons why they do it that way so that people are prepared for what map to go into so they have like the appropriate gun and the appropriate equipment yeah that's true uh a lot of map choices are definitely based on what mode is currently happening like i will not play nzap on like clam blitz i much prefer like a little bit more longer range weapon that can kill things like two hits like the dot 52 gal or even the Splattershot Pro in some particular cases, even though the Splattershot Pro's kit is not so great right now. Um, but yeah, it, it's definitely more for you, you building your gear <laughs> around whatever mode is happening, because that's kind of one of the problems with the this type of matchmaking um, is that they expect you to lock in your gear before you even start queuing up for a game, which can be fine, but then there are other multiplayer games out there that let you get into a map and from there you can choose what character or what uh, loadout you're going to run. So in a lot of ways, it makes total sense that they do it this way. But sometimes I wish that the map pool was somewhat well, bigger. Doing it this way also makes it so that the queue times are faster. Like that's oh, a re very really true. nice thing with Splatoon 3 over Splatoon 2 and even Splatoon 1. Um, 
the queue times are just so fast. Yeah, they really are. And I guess one of the other nice things about knowing what maps and what modes are available at all times is you can even open up the Nintendo Switch Online app and just see the schedule at any time during the day. And so then I can be like, oh, I guess I should load up the game a little bit earlier tonight because I want to play Splat Zones or I want to play tower defense or you can take a look at salmon run and be like yeah no the weapon loadout for the four of us really sucks today i'm not (laughs) playing salmon run today (laughs) so speaking of salmon run um i am a little disappointed that they don't update the weapons and map a bit more often i know it's like every 40 hours which is insane like honestly with salmon run because it's such a casual mode you don't choose your gear going into it so there's no point in having a static uh selection of weapons it should just yeah, be I think it would be way more fun if it was a full random four every time you load it in exactly. with some caveats like, you know, there's always a guarantee that there's like a splatter shot E type weapon that has more rapid fire, one that's a bit more long range, you know, or maybe a blaster every time, you know, they'd have to balance it because you definitely would not want to get four splatter shots <laughs> in a single <laughs> salmon run run or no, excuse me, not four. Uh, yeah, I was going to say splatter shot would like, be fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like four uh, scopes, <laughs> you know, yeah. like E-Leader 4K scoped. <laughs> that would suck. <laughs> oh, they're swarming me. I can't hit them fast enough. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I, I think that the game is super fun and definitely an improvement over Splatoon 2. Wouldn't you say so? Oh, Definitely. Like, it's basically Splatoon 2 with the quality of life improvements that make it a real game now. <laughs> now, now you're a real squid. This is what Splatoon should have been in the beginning. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Like, I, the decisions made in Splatoon 1 and Splatoon 2 were always head scratchers. And there's not really any of those head scratching moments in Splatoon 3 anymore. The only head scratching moment is that I still can't believe they didn't bring back Squid Jump from Splatoon 1. You know that little like 8-bit mini game you could play while in the lobby waiting um, for a match? I actually don't. <laughs> you don't remember I that? Don't remember oh, it, it was at so all. fun. It was kind of like Ice Climbers but not nearly as complicated. You basically just like held down to charge up a jump and then you would jump up to higher and higher platforms and it was just like a fun little time waster while you were in queue. Though the new lobby system where you can actually run drills or practice with your weapon before a match starts is better. <laughs> I oh, just yeah. miss squid jump, okay? Yeah. Although I really do just enjoy just uh being able to run around. If I remember right yeah. in Splatoon 2, you just kind of had to sit and wait and watch the <laughs> the name queue yep. slowly fill up. Pull up Twitter while you're <laughs> waiting for a match to start or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Splatoon 3 feels like it was made by people who uh, had actually played the previous games. <laughs> Instead, of <laughs> the previous games felt like they were never played tested. <laughs> let's be real yeah in a lot of ways yeah especially when it came to these like small little things that happen every time like you know main game modes splatoon 2 was really good i mean splatoon 1 still feels like a dream to control and has a lot of really fun weapons and maps but everything that kind of happens in between moments of gameplay in the first two games are definitely really rough around the edges even like loading up the menu to equip your items and your gear in splatoon 2 took so long Like I actually saw somebody post a comparison video for that particular feature and it took like 20 seconds to load into that menu and then the cursor was super slow. But in Splatoon 3, it loads up almost immediately. You can swap things very quickly and you get all sorts of information about the gear and weapons. It's just like 
wow, they actually took a look at where people were spending most of their time in actual downtime and like either made it faster or put an experience around it like the current training room lobby is. You know, it's it's so good. Anyway, besides all of those like little changes, Jordan, how did you feel when you actually booted up the game? Do you think that the introduction was pretty good or how did you feel about that? Yeah, um, you start off with like your character creation process and um, the style of it is very Splatoon-esque, definitely very stylized and expressive. Uh, It was fun. Um, And then as soon as you get into the game, I was not a fan of the fact that you had to be level four before you could do anything. (laughs) (laughs) I immediately wanted to go to Salmon Run and they said no. (laughs) You have to do at least one turf war match, okay? It was more than one turf war. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, even with the like transfer of data, they did make you go through a couple of things before you could do anything you wanted. Oh man, it was so frustrating because like everyone starts at the same level or whatever, right? And I was just carrying my team every single game. <laughs> it was <laughs> so bad. Well, and Turf War doesn't have the best matchmaking experience anyway. Like, it definitely prioritizes fast games over equal skill level. So, I mean, there have been a lot of tests, at least with Splatoon 2, from what I understand, that it is almost entirely purely random. So you could have, like, X-rank or S-plus rank folks with C-rank players <laughs> that just started the game in the same Turf War match. No. So, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> why, why is it not matchmaking cues? I, I don't know. I don't know why there's not, like, some sort of hidden MMR or ranking to help determine your, like, underlying skill level that... You know, it's a combination of everything you've done in the game, not just what your current rank is in rank. I guess we know why the queues are so fast now. Yeah, they, they it's just like, oh, here are eight random people that just want to play. Boom. Now you're all in a match together. Done. <laughs> I have noticed also that if you are in a group of friends, you have a severe advantage over the other team just with the coordination. Yeah, literally just having a discord call open. And being able to communicate more than just booyah or this way or ouch when you're dead makes such a difference in any game mode, which is why, honestly, and this is a bit of a tangent, uh, competitive Splatoon gameplay is so fun to watch. If you ever, you know, see one of those streams come up, it's so fun to watch these top end players because they can actually make meta based plays where they build their weapons around each other in the game mode. Their gear is specifically, you know, selected for particular play styles. Like some players going to be more of a support character that's going to kind of sit back and like ink from afar or somebody's going to be super aggressive in the front line that's going to need help from players just behind him or, you know, flanking from the side. Anyway, it's just It's so cool to see stuff like that. And you can actually pull some of that off when you have a Discord call because you can be like, help me, please. Somebody is shooting us in our back line. And then, you know, your friends can turn around and it's suddenly a 3v1 or whatever. Just huge advantage when you just hop into a Discord call. You did mention Salmon Run. And I do want to say that, like, one of the first experiences that I had with Splatoon 3 after playing a bunch of story mode was actually grouping up with you to play Salmon Run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we got a bit of a group going for that. Um, I had been playing Salmon Run all day that day. Salmon Run has been, <laughs> like I said before going in, um, the majority of my playtime for Splatoon 3. And I ranked up to, I believe, was it, I think it was professional uh, on the first day. And it was either professional or like part-time professional. I think. I, think, I think it was professional. And ever since then, every single group I've been in, 
someone in the friend group has been lower rank. So my rank has just been <laughs> only going down since then. I have not been able to go up again. I'm so sorry. We should play together because I'm a professional now, so we I, might be able to actually climb. I think I've gone all the way back down to go getter at this point. But Oh, no, that's awful. At that point, I wouldn't be gaining any rank. You would be ranking up. Oh, but it was such a fun experience. And, you know, like we said at the beginning of the episode, they really fixed how um, getting together and being able to play as a group works. It was so much more streamlined, right? Do you want to explain how it works? It's way easier now. I'll, well, so like, to be fair, <laughs> I didn't even like, is there any cue in the menu on how to do it? Once you know how to do it, I don't it's really think so. easy. But you- <laughs> I don't think there's any help information about how to do it. You just have to look at the menu and be like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So if you press over on the D-pad, uh, you can then queue up with friends and you can create groups and people can join your group or leave your group and you can just start. You don't need a full group of friends to play anymore. That is the best change, by the way. Yeah. Like so good. <laughs> Being able to just jump in with friends is so, so easy now. It's it works the same as like any other multiplayer game does. Yeah. Just an invite from a friend into the group and boom, you're instantly connected with each other and you can play. The only shame is that there's no voice chat directly built into the game or whatever. You have to use some sort of external means, whether that's Discord, like we talked about before, or like the Nintendo Switch Online app. But I seriously want to see the stats on how many people actually voice chat with that app. Oh, none. <laughs> there's no way. <laughs> Five whole people in the world. <laughs> Just the get same on group Discord. Of it's even on your phone if you are going to stick to that. I am a little disappointed in the map selection for salmon run there's only two maps i was kind of hoping there'd be a bit more um and one of the maps is a bit bland i feel like the one with the really long uh shoreline okay i've played on three maps oh you've played on three in salmon run uh-huh oh man there's <laughs> spawning grounds um i can't remember the actual names of the maps but there's one that is based around like kind of a central area that has a whole bunch of great platforms that extend from it. And then there's the shoreline that has three different shorelines um, down there. That's a really fun map. I think that's a great map. It was in Splatoon 2, and I'm glad it returned. Then there's, I think it's a new one where it's like (laughs) based around kind of the center that's surrounded by walls with small platforms on the inside. And uh, that has like the really long single shoreline. Uh, that map's okay. That was like the first one that we played on you and me. Yeah, that's that was available like the second day. Too big a fan of. Uh, so I must have missed like a, a cycle where they. I yeah, brought out the because there map. was another one that's like um, kind of very circular, but well, not so circular. But there's like this big central platform in the middle that like you can climb up and shoot things from afar. And it has like a massive shoreline when the um, the you know, the water level is low and it's a, it's honestly a really fun map. I don't know if it's the best. I mean, I only got to play like one cycle on it and it was an okay set of weapons. Um, but anyway, um, there are at least three. I don't, I don't know if there are any more. I'd have to check the upcoming schedule, but Splatoon two definitely had more than those three. (laughs) And I'm not sure why some of the other ones haven't returned yet. Yeah. Maybe they're just going to give us more as the time goes on. Uh, you know, the Nintendo way <laughs> release an unfinished game and then 
uh, give free updates, quote unquote free, because technically you already paid for them by buying the game. It's just that you get them later. Yeah. Okay. So there were five maps in uh, Salmon Run on the split on Splatoon 2. Uh, Spawning Grounds, which uh, has returned, Marooner's Bay, Lost Outpost, Salmonid, Smokeyard, and Ruins of Arc Polaris. Um, I kind of want to check and see what is in Splatoon 3 right now, see how many maps have actually returned. Yeah, only three maps <laughs> right now. And we have Sockeye Station, which is pretty similar to Spawning Grounds. Um, Gone Fish and Hydro Plant. Gone Fish and Hydro Plant is the one that we played that first day. And then the Spawning Grounds returns from Splatoon 2. So two new maps and then Spawning Grounds has returned. Yeah, I don't understand why they didn't just port the other four then. I mean, they have to pick like individual spawning spots for those gigantic tower ones to just appear on, right? Like <laughs> that has to be so hard to do. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I honestly don't know. It might just be a way for them to be like, come back in a couple of months. We've got another stage for salmon run. There, there may be some balancing things though, with some of the modes like the, the mouth mode where the big mouths pop up and spawn a bunch of yeah, little, fair point. little dudes. Uh, Godzilla probably is very map dependent. Yeah. 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 Cause if you make the map too large, cause so when Godzilla shows up, uh, the tide just stays at whatever the tide was for the third round. Right. But the weapons still cycle around. Right. But so would the Godzilla fights just be too easy if you have too big of a map on low tide? That's a good question. I honestly don't know. I haven't actually beat him yet. Neither have, have I. Have you? I have not beaten him. Uh, James needs to show us the way. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh, one of our friends actually managed to beat him. And uh, I know a lot of other people have too. But I swear I keep getting put on high tide uh, up against him. And it's just always such a mess. Uh, it's a really cool thing that they've added, though. I think it's a really fun bonus wave. But I want more silver seashells so that I can get the different color outfits. <laughs> I do kind of hope that they introduce more uh, emergency bosses like that, but I don't think they will, especially that'd be so cool, especially since um, the icon for whether or not he's going to appear is just him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's his name? Like King Kohozuna or something crazy or something. I don't know. He's a King Salmonid. But anyway, Salmon Run is so fun. And I, I. I think it's such a cool mode and I'm so glad it made a return and that it's 24 yeah. seven. I can just hop in and play whenever I want. Just give me, give me more cycles, Nintendo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Make them more frequent, please. At least once every two hours, like it is for the other modes. Is it two hours for the other modes or just one every hour? It's two hours for every other mode. Okay. Please do that with Salmon Run. <laughs> it won't, it won't I mean, hurt anything. They could do every 12 hours or something like I don't know why it has to be locked into 40. The rewards don't change for an entire month. You still get the same hat. Yeah, I've noticed, which is a bit disappointing. I wish that we'd get a wider range of rewards, but whatever. But like the hats aren't that frequent. Yeah, I found. And especially when you get into the higher ranks, um, the hats, you just constantly are swapping out for chunks. And yeah. that is so nice. I mean, I know it was the case in Splatoon 2, but when you get those hats as often as I do by playing every day, your chunks really do start to build up as you get those hats. So I managed to get a pretty good hat that uh, had two like swim speed up on it. 
So oh, that wow. was that was nice. <laughs> like as the sub chunks or as the uh, sub abilities. And then the main ability was something that I also really liked. So really good piece of gear right off the bat. And I haven't swapped it out for a yeah, week. Yeah, I didn't know that the abilities could double up. They could stack. Oh, huh. yeah. The whole ability system is actually super cool. Um, I don't know if it's ever explained in game how it actually no, works. No, nothing's explained but, uh, in game. If it is, it's <laughs> in this giant text bubble where there's like 200 <laughs> lines about something completely irrelevant. And then they like stick it in there <laughs> in the middle of it. It's like it's like talking to the owl from Ocarina of Time whenever you talk to someone in this game. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Um, so the way that it works, it's honestly pretty cool. Um, so all pieces of gear come with a primary ability, which is often called like the main ability. And these give 10 ability points each. It's like an internal number. Um, those 10 ability points will do all sorts of things like increase your swim speed or increase your running speed or give you a better, um, I don't know, uh, recovery up when it comes to your ink recovery that then can get stacked with secondary abilities that you can have up to three of on your gear, depending on the star level. Um, if your star level is zero, you only get one sub ability. If your star level is one on the gear, then it's two. And if it's two stars, then you get three. Um, the secondary abilities all provide three ability points each. So it's much better to have one primary ability of like swim speed up than it is to have, if, if that's what you're like trying to optimize, than it is to have like three sub abilities of swim speed up. So with that in mind, you can kind of build around optimizing various builds for various weapons or various modes. And it, it's just very useful to understand that that's how it works because it does not explain it at all in the game. The other really important thing to note about abilities is that merch in the plaza. Merch is very, very, very important. He's probably the most important uh, non, or I guess he's the most important like store, in my opinion, uh, besides Sheldon for buying the weapons, which once you have them, you no longer need them. Um, merch will let you receive orders from Splatnet Online. So when you buy things on the um, Nintendo Switch Online app, uh, they have really good gear on sale. You should always check there to see if there's anything that you're interested in. Um, he also is where you will receive orders from things that you purchase in the um, the city area. So if you go and talk to a another squidling or or inkling <laughs> squidling an inkling or an octoling, um, you can choose to order their equipment uh, so that you can get like the same fresh look in case your store doesn't have it at the time. Um, when you order it, you can then get it from merch the next day. Uh, but the most important things that he does are related to abilities and ability chunks. He in this game can take ability chunks, which are just like items, item versions of the different abilities that are available in the game and use those to overwrite any ability on any piece of gear that you have, including main abilities um, and sub abilities. Of course, he can also scrub your clothes so that all of their secondary slots are wiped clean so that you can re-go through the experience to get them back. But when you scrub it, you gain those ability chunks so that you can then use those to put an ability on a particular piece of gear. And then um, he can also increase the star level and do a couple of other things uh, that you won't be able to do until after Splatfest. So anyway, like, <laughs> I totally get your point, Jordan, about how it's like, 
this is useful information that the game should teach you, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't know like half of that stuff <laughs> until just now. <laughs> yeah, most casual players will never know any of that information. You like have to look it up on a guide online or be part of some Discord community. But that's kind of the main thing is like the the abilities on your gear are super important because they do all sorts of important and powerful things. I mean, one of the best main abilities, in my opinion, is Ninja Squid. Being able to like swim in the ink when you're a weapon that likes to flank people and take them out quickly. That's super useful because it causes the ink to not splash. So it's much harder for them to detect you. I mean, there are all sorts of abilities, and I could talk about how useful a lot of these are um, for a very long time. What would be a quick rundown of the best ones? Is it swim speed and then also like ink resistance is what I've been going for? Yeah, ink resistance is really good um, simply because the ink resistance is more so that you aren't slowed down as much when you're walking on enemy ink. Mm -hmm. It does not like increase your defense against weapons. For, For some reason, I thought it did. Interesting. Yeah, no, um, it would be nice if it did, <laughs> but it it doesn't. Um, but yeah, that, that one is really good. I mean, it really depends on your play style. If you're a, like I was saying, like a frontliner that likes to flank people, then Ninja Squid, Swim Speed, and probably um, like secondary uh, power up or something, which boosts the like attack damage on your secondary weapon. Those might be really important for you. Or maybe you also want to run... Um, like ability saver, I think that's what it's called. It uh, reduces the ink cost for using your secondary ability, like your splat bombs or something. That can be very useful when you're trying to scare someone, but you still want enough ink to shoot them or have a getaway. I see. Those are some good ones because <laughs> I, I tend to play pretty aggressively. I'm my my main goal. I come from other FPSs like Halo. My main goal is to increase my uh, kill to death ratio. That's honestly like. <laughs> really good <laughs> for splatoon like honestly um if you focus on that like making sure that everything is clear for your team in like ranked modes um you have a much better chance of winning uh being able to control the field is one of the most important things about splatoon in general uh, i see too many people online and i mean i'm not an expert player but i definitely have done a lot of research into like what makes you a good splatoon player i just also lack the time to practice a bunch of it just so our listeners are clear that you know i'm not an expert but i do like to think that i know a lot (laughs) anyway like i was saying like one of the things that a lot of newcomers to the game just don't understand is that the game is mostly about controlling territory if you can control the territory and manage to like get early picks in the game you're going to win Um, If you can deny anybody from doing any of the objectives, boom, like you have a really good shot at increasing your chances of winning. Um, So many people in ranked modes, at least in the lower ranks, like C rank or early B rank, decide I'm going to paint everything in spawn because that's what all of the memes say on the you know, in the city. Like, oh, I don't no. know if you've seen any of those posts. It's like, no, make sure you ink. <laughs> no. All of these people are like, it's a good thing to ink your base. I'm like, only in turf war. Yeah, only turf war. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can ink part of your base if you need to get a little bit more, um, like, charge for your special. 
Uh, especially if you're like respawning in and you can like shoot in the air while you're like walking towards the objective as you're like resetting or whatever. That That's fine. But if you're just like inking your home base in ranked, you're not like helping at all. <laughs> uh, it's all about controlling the mid ground. Stop inking your home base unless it's turf wars. Anyway, there are all sorts of resources out there as well to help you get better. There's some really great YouTube channels that go over some of the basics and even more advanced guides. Um, I honestly don't remember any of their names right now off the top of my head uh, but if you really want to get better at the ranked modes it really helps to watch some of these professionals learn more about like uh, what you should be focusing on in these ranked matches and um, and then of course practicing uh, you're never going to get better if you don't practice but also don't scream and yell about how awful the rest of your teammates are if you lose um, make sure that you're criticizing your own gameplay as well and like paying attention to how you can improve. Um, if you really deserve to be in a higher rank, you will win more games than you lose. And sometimes it might be your teammates fault for not throwing that last clam into the clam blitz basket or staying on the tower while you were pushing in aggressively or, or something. You know, there, there are cases like that, but just make sure that you're more focused on. I am doing this because I want to get better. I have fun getting better etc. Anyway, that that's kind of my rant for when it comes to ranked play. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's it's a numbers game. It's supposed to just be you're trying to increase the rate you win, not win every time. Exactly. And honestly, like I wanted to point out that the Anarchy series battles are so much better than ranked has ever been. Like the whole ranked system in Splatoon 3 is genius. <clears throat> I wish that more games would do like the series does for ranking up. When you enter an anarchy battle in series, what ends up happening is you have to win five games before you lose three. Like if you lose three, then your series ends. Uh, but if you win five, then your series also ends and you can kind of get a combination. But what the game actually does is it tracks those like medals that you earn after every battle, which can be things like number one turf inker, number one splatter, like you took out the most opposing members of the team, number one assister or number one scorer or something like if you as you get those badges, the game will remember those during your series. And then when the series is over, whether it's because you got five wins or you hit that three loss threshold, um, what it'll actually do is reward you points based on not only the victories and reducing points based off of the defeats, but also keeping in mind those medals so that you are rewarded for still like, you know, overperforming the rest of your team if you lost that match. So it like takes into account your own individual performance more than just, oh, you suck because you lost. So I'm going to knock off like 80 points or something crazy. So I highly recommend if you want to, um, rank up and you want to climb the ladder do series every time don't do the open matches like ever <laughs> it's not worth it open matches only ever get you eight points a win whereas the series like even if you go five and or if you go four and three four wins and three losses you still gain more points than you would if you had done the same number of wins and losses in open that's actually <laughs> i wish i had known that actually <laughs> Um, I had heard that you could get points for even still losing if you outperformed, but yep. like I had never seen it happen because I kept playing just the free matches because um, for a series, you kind of had to commit a bit more time. to Yeah, that. well, you can always pause the series. Uh, you don't have to do all of the matches right in a row necessarily. And you can even like continue the series after the maps have rotated out. The only cost to series is that 
at cert, uh, you are deducted a certain number of battle points depending on your rank for entering the series. So I believe in B rank, like early B ranks, it's like 65 of your battle points, which isn't a lot. But then when you like win five, you gain like 300 or something ridiculous. So it's well worth, um, you know, doing the series. And as you rank up, it's more points. I imagine it's a lot more competitive than if there's more. Oh, absolutely. Um, anyway, I really like the ranked, uh, the ranked mode is really, really fun in Splatoon three. Um, I played a lot of ranked in Splatoon two, uh, cause Splatoon two actually came out after, uh, some of my other roommates and friends like James, who has been on the podcast before. And we mentioned earlier after he and some of my other friends kind of moved out and moved on from college, I was kind of on my own. And that first like few months of being in my own space alone, I played so much Splatoon. <laughs> so I learned a lot about how ranked matches worked. And so the last week and a half has been me remembering and also doing research into how Splatoon works again, because I haven't played in a couple of years. <laughs> anyway, we don't need to sit and talk about the ranked modes all day, though. Uh, it I just will say one final thought. It is so much better than Splatoon 2 and definitely over Splatoon 1. If you want to get good at Splatoon, play ranked, seriously. And just remember, like Jordan said, it's a numbers game. Win more than you lose and you'll rank up. Yeah, that's how it works with pretty much any ladder system. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Unless if it's ELO. If it's ELO, then, yeah. <laughs> then you have to win. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> if you lose, you lose too many points. So anyway, um, I guess that's enough about ranked. Uh, we did talk quite a bit about Splatoon or Splatoon. Of course, we've talked a lot about Splatoon. That's been the whole point of this episode, David, get it together. You know, we talked about Salmon Run. Salmon Run's also a fantastic mode, um, especially for playing with friends because it's so co-op and you only win against, uh, you know, NPCs. It's PVE and PVE is just so fun. Oh, man. It just reminds me of like zombie modes in previous fps games oh yeah for real especially the glow flies um once yeah that one's my favorite everyone you. else keeps screaming at me when i keep uh saying i hope that we get that but <laughs> <laughs> it's I, so fun it it really is i just love the chaos and <laughs> salmon run definitely has that in spades there are some scenarios in salmon run where i don't think it was ever possible to begin with <laughs> But that's part of the fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've definitely had rounds in professional where it's like, oh, no, there's no way we're winning this round because it spawns in like four of the towers and five of the tenta missile ones. Yeah, and the tenta missile like, one is just oh. what on earth when you get like three or more in a row. It's just that, that's game over. Like you have to hit like every <laughs> single bomb in a row. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure why they didn't like somewhat rebalance that one where there's like a window where you could potentially hit the salmonid inside without having to blow it up just as like an extra way. That's a little bit harder, maybe, but, you know, so that you don't just have to sit there and wait while the rest of the salmonids are swarming you. Yeah, I do kind of wish that um, they rebalanced the bomb a bit in Salmon Run where it requires less ink because there's oh, yeah. so many bosses that require bombs effectively. Uh, to kill them like efficiently yeah um where i feel like with a full tank of ink you probably should get two bombs instead of one i think that would be way better <laughs> especially with the tenta missiles where you have you you get the bomb in the first one and then you have to sit still while you recharge to get your second <laughs> bomb so you can hopefully kill him in one cycle yeah no it, it's not <laughs> it's not easy and of course, as you rank up, they start throwing enemies at you faster and faster. 
and more and more. And it, it can just be so impossible. It's like, oh no, I'm the only one on my team that's in this part of the map because everyone else is taking out the gigantic towers that have the beams that can just shoot you through walls or, (laughs) you know, someone is putting all the eggs back. So it's like, I have to take out the 10 missile one by myself. And then you feel awful when you miss the first bomb and you're just like, Oh no, (laughs) it's over. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, I wish you had access to more bombs, especially like, like I said, if they spawn in too many enemies that require bombs. Um, yeah, you're just kind of screwed. <laughs> it's, there's not much you can do. Yeah. Um, and also like one piece of advice for our listeners, <laughs> make sure that you use specials in emergencies, like save them, of course, like when you can. But if you're the only one alive, mash that special button like Come on, please don't don't hold on to it when you're the only one that's alive and everyone's like, help, 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 help. Use the special. That's they're literally for when you're being overwhelmed and need something to help you get out of it. So please, please use them when it's an emergency. Don't forget about that button. (laughs) I've probably lost too many rounds because somebody didn't use their special. (laughs) Yeah, Um, you get two specials throughout the entire game of salmon run so like all three waves you get two of them and then on godzilla you uh refresh one so don't be afraid to use uh it's not a refresh either though it overwrites your two for one right i think it's a ref honestly i haven't paid enough attention i don't i I think if you have two and you go into godzilla you lose both of them and you only get one for godzilla if i remember right i mean i could see them doing that um but i do not have any confirmation for that so i mean i do believe you i just I can't say for sure. The way I view it is um, I typically try to not use a special on wave one and then on this every other wave after that. As soon as things get hectic, I'm pretty uh, trigger happy with using it (laughs) Uh, once per wave effectively. That's a that's a pretty good way to deal with it. But like just make sure that you have (laughs) that you're using it when it is an emergency. Please, please. I can't think of any other like multiplayer games. I mean, Turf War has been the same since Platoon 1, you know, just continually ink. Uh, I am very excited for Splatfest this week. I don't know if you're going to play much of it. I'll play some. Um, They chose to do it the week. It's this weekend, right? Yes, it's this weekend. And it's just the weekend? Yeah, there's like a 48 hour period. Okay, because there's also the Comic Con here. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) So we'll see. I might be a bit busy, but... It's worth hopping on at least uh, because you can gain conch shells or not conch shells, uh, sea urchins, which that's the only currency that merch will accept for specific actions. I can't remember exactly which ones they are, but I think one of them is um, increasing the star level of any piece of gear. So if there's something that you really like and you want it to have three slots instead of two, that's the perfect opportunity to do it is because of uh, Splatfest. And then when Splatfest is all over in like a couple years when we no longer do Splatfest, then it'll be much easier to get that currency. But for whatever reason, Nintendo's like, no, we're locking that behind Splatfest. So you have to play them. (laughs) But one other thing about Splatfest, I really wish they would let me play ranked modes during Splatfest (laughs) and let that count. I know it would be so hard to match make for, but it is kind of obnoxious that they try to force everyone into turf war for Splatfest. Um, but I, I understand why, like they, yeah, uh, as long as it, as long as Splatfest isn't too frequent, it's fine, which it seems to be like once a month or so. Yeah. I think it's once a month is their plan. It might not be exactly once a month, like 
you know, the same like weekend of the month, but I pretty sure that's what they're going for. Anyway, um, I guess now I kind of wanted to talk about your thoughts on the single player campaign, if that's okay. Yeah. Push um, to that. I have played some of it. <laughs> like I said in a previous podcast episode, um, I'm not too big on the Splatoon campaign. Like it's fine. I'm not against it or anything. It just feels really um oh, what, what what's a, kind of like demo-y or whatever. It feels like a game <laughs> kind of trial or something. Like they didn't like make a full-fledged game out of it. There's just a bunch of floating blocks with a bunch of like game design ideas that they throw at a screen. Um, so you're one of those people that was really hoping that it was going to be an open world campaign yeah. like everyone oh, thought yeah. during I the initial reveal. <laughs> I would have lost it if it was an open world campaign um, with like some <laughs> of the set designs you see in the backgrounds of oh, certain that'd be areas. So cool. But floating blocks with uh, interesting gameplay ideas, they're fun, but they don't have enough meat or weight or depth to them to like uh, pull me t- towards playing them. I, I understand that. I really do. I personally really enjoy them. Uh, It's kind of one of my favorite things about a new Splatoon game or a new update like the Octo expansion, mostly because it's like, oh, I can take a step back from grinding ranked or playing a whole bunch of multiplayer stuff and just kind of focus on like refining some of the uh, control I have over several different weapons. Um, And honestly, the way that they implemented the story mode in three is really good uh, because it's kind of a fusion between the single player campaign from base Splatoon 2 and Octo expansion. Like they took some of the best parts of both and kind of fused them into one. Um, my favorite thing is that you enter a level and usually you get to choose uh, between one or two or three weapons that are specifically suited for the challenge ahead. And that is such a great way to be able to explore really tight level design that's specifically designed around the weapons that you get to choose. Like one of them might be target shooting or, you know, and that's more suited for um, the sniper weapons or, you know, the longer range weapons. That's awesome. Uh, Another one might be rushing through the ink as fast as possible, which at that point you're going to want a brush or something. Um, You know, it's just a really smart way to, optimize the game because the most boring and tedious part of Splatoon 2's base campaign was clearing every single level with like six weapons. (laughs) (laughs) If you wanted to hundred percent it, it was awful. They were so long and they took, it just took so long to hundred percent. That's especially since a lot of them were not designed for specific weapons. Exactly. (laughs) Like why would I use a roller for this map? (laughs) It was designed for the sniper rifle. (laughs) (laughs) You're trying to force you to be creative in the absence of <laughs> yeah. their own creativity. <laughs> but that's honestly one of the best things they've done since Octo Expansion. And if they don't do the open world, uh, I really appreciate this way of level design because it does feel tighter. Yeah, it's kind of annoying that a lot of the levels are still floating blocks in space. But hey, it just really gives you the feel that this is a Super Mario Sunshine secret level. Yeah, I was going to mention that, though. Um, I am a bit concerned that Nintendo as a whole seems to be getting a bit too reliant on um, enclosed gameplay areas where, yeah, the like level design is pretty tight and they are fun, but there's like no flavor to any of it. So like the Sheikah shrines from Breath of the Wild or the mm, sky yeah. stuff in Odyssey, 
Um, yeah. Like, it's fine. They're fun. They, they're objectively fun. And that's kind of where they have the opportunity to make things really tight and then also um, explore very specific ideas very well. Mm-hmm. I agree. But I wish there was a bit more. I wish they would find ways to, like, adapt those into the greater worlds at large. Yeah, I could totally see that because... One thing that I really liked about the Splatoon 3 single player are like the little mini overworlds that are the level selection screen. I think that that is an improvement over uh, Octo Expansion from Splatoon 2, where Octo Expansion, it was like you're on a metro train. And so you literally just open up a map and then just choose which stop to go to (laughs) (laughs) instead of like going around exploring and finding your various uh, levels. And it was really fun. There are some really interesting little secrets and fun little areas in there. But I do wish that it was more like you're exploring this vast open world. And then there are like little tight areas here and there that are seamlessly baked into the world that accomplish all of the challenges that they can present in like the current campaign. I think that would work really well for like fusing Splatoon with a more open uh, zone. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be like an open world per se. So like take yeah. Mario 64, for example, um, all of its levels kind of function the same way that like Splatoon 3's levels function, right? Where you, you have very clear defined uh, micro areas that are focused around gameplay ideas. But Mario 64 for example, uh, focused a lot more on its flavor aspect of like uh, dressing up those uh, gameplay areas. Yeah, you're right. Very themed levels. You know, you knew for sure when you were in Bomb on Battlefield or you knew for sure when you were in Jolly Roger Bay because they were so thematically different. Right. I'm pretty sure Jolly Roger Bay was a banjo, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I meant to say... um, Dire Dire Docks and oh my gosh, <laughs> I can't believe I did that. Whatever, they're both banjo kind of functions in the same way, except the worlds are bigger. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Jolly Roger Bay. We did our banjo episode not too long ago, so still on the brain. Now I, I do think that Splatoon could really benefit from those, you know, tighter areas, especially since like, especially with Splatoon three, we're clearly in like a desert version of Paris. <laughs> like the uh, Eiffel Tower is upside down in the background in like opening shots of the game. And you're just like, it'd be cool to explore that. Like what's actually happening here? You know? Yeah. Um, and like, like I said, the Splatoon team is really good at like set design and style and everything. Oh, and for sure. <laughs> it's kind of a shame that the, one of the main modes just kind of feels like it's kind of shoved off into a corner. and doesn't get as much attention to detail as the rest of the game. Yeah. So I will say that um, some of the like environments that you enter are incredibly well thought out, especially if you pay attention to the lore that you unlock as you go. I know a lot of people do not care about Splatoon lore, especially (laughs) in the single player mode. You're not sitting there reading all the sunken scrolls or the data logs as you complete levels, but I do and I care and it's really interesting, but I'm not going to spoil it. (laughs) Uh, I mean, the basic idea without spoiling anything is that the region that you're in, Alternea or Alterna, it's probably Alterna. I don't know why I said Alternea. Alterna is that it was a safe haven bunker for some of the last surviving humans. And that's all I'm going to say about it. 
So that's why there's a lot of city stuff and uh, really weird looking things everywhere. So, you know, a bit more futuristic. But no, I, I do totally agree that it would be nice if it did get more attention than it currently gets. Yeah. And honestly, I don't I, I'm kind of wondering if they're just trying to they do it this way just because Splatoon 1 did it this way. And so Splatoon 1 only had so much of a budget. So they uh, kind of just focused on these tight um, level design areas or whatever because they needed to put a lot of their art design elsewhere. And then Splatoon 2 is like, well, we'll just do that again, except for the DLC. The DLC is pretty different if I understand it right. I haven't played the DLC. Um, so I don't know if it's just like they're appeasing tradition at this point, but I really wish they would put they would change things up at least for yeah, the DLC or even for the new game. Hey, they did say that the DLC for Splatoon 3 is going to be like a large scale paid DLC. So I think it's going to be a bigger story than Splatoon 3's base story mode. Well, <laughs> the game sold very well, so I mean it better. <laughs> I mean, speaking of selling incredibly well, like it sold more copies in its opening weekend in Japan than Animal Crossing did. Like <laughs> it's nuts. Yeah. It's the fastest selling Switch game in Japan ever. <laughs> Japan is not known for buying physical copies of games for consoles. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a weak market in that area. And Splatoon, for whatever reason, really breaks the mold there. Yeah. And then on top of that, I I don't know. I've just been reading all over the place. Uh, apparently, it has like a 44% uh, digital sales rate or something on top of that. Wow. So that's insane. We, we don't even know what like the digital cells exactly are yet, but looking at current numbers, it's definitely going to pass the 10 million mark uh, in this first quarter. Easily. That's so crazy. <laughs> and this is like at the end of the switch's life, basically. Yeah, that's that's so nice. People jumped on this game pretty fast. <laughs> it sold really well. It's selling faster than Splatoon did. Uh, Splatoon 2 did. Yeah, it absolutely is. And it's so cool. Um, I do really going back to the single player stuff, just like really quick, because I wanted to kind of finalize one last thing. Um, just as like a little rating and review from me, I still think that Octo expansion is the best single player content in the series. Um, I it was so well put together uh, thematically. It's really great. I loved all of the challenges. It was incredibly difficult at a lot of points and the actual story that it told was super incredible. And its final boss sequence is one of my favorite final boss sequences in like maybe the last five years of video games, period. <laughs> so um, Splatoon 3's campaign was great. I absolutely loved it. Lots of really great things happening. The music was amazing. I really liked the story that it ended up telling, especially towards the end. But Octo Expansion just, I, it did it better. <laughs> and I'm really looking forward to the upcoming DLC, especially since in the teaser image that they gave for it, it was Pearl and Marina again. And Pearl and Marina were part of the driving force of the Octo Expansion in Splatoon 2. And if they're taking anything from Octo Expansion to make this DLC, I, I have very high hopes for it. So that's my rating for it. Really good, but not as good as Octo Expansion. Okay. So I know you haven't played Octo Expansion, but I just wanted to get. Yeah, I haven't played Octo Expansion. And I don't think I've played enough of the campaign for this game yet to give it a rating. But you got to get to the final boss, though. <laughs> like, I really don't want to spoil anything, but just push to the final boss, if anything. Like, yeah. it's so fun and it's so cool. Like, it's probably going to take me some time because um, 
these next few months are going to be pretty busy as Nintendo uh, commentators. <laughs> uh, yeah, we were, <laughs> we're going to have a lot on our hands. <laughs> We've got what? Bayonetta? Yeah, we got Bayonetta, Mario and Rabbids, Sonic Frontiers and Pokemon all coming out within the next few months. <laughs> Woohoo! That's a lot of content for you listeners. <laughs> uh, hope you enjoy that. So. But yeah, I mean, if you can get to it, Jordan, please just get to the final boss, please. I cannot say any more without like spoiling anything, but like you especially need to get to the final <laughs> boss. <laughs> Suddenly the game turns into doom. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe. I'm trying to just think kidding, <laughs> what, what <laughs> me specifically means. <laughs> You're given a chainsaw. <laughs> You'll know as soon as you get to it, I think. All right. <laughs> And the final boss music is so good, uh, by the way. It's so good. Splatoon 3's final boss music has always just been so good. I love I love it. I don't know if there's any other particulars about it. I mean, we talked about how the UI is way more intuitive. Um, there are lots of really cool details in it um, that make it look really nice. Um, most of the systems for matchmaking, for joining up with friends, are also incredibly well streamlined now. Um being able to go to any shop or teleport anywhere on the map is also so useful. Just right from anywhere in the hub, you just press X and boom, you're there. Uh, even the matchmaking menus are really nice. So huge improvements over Splatoon 2 and Splatoon 1. Yeah, uh, this is what I wanted Splatoon 2 to be. I'm actually pretty impressed. Uh, I was pretty, I had a lot of cold feet. <laughs> I had cold feet going into the game, as I mentioned. You had a lot of cold feet because you were an inkling with the uh, six legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm an octoling, actually. Oh, it's my bad. Octoling. <laughs> eight, eight feet. <laughs> uh, it definitely, it didn't really prove me wrong. It just kind of was a better version of a game that I already enjoyed. That's good to hear. And I totally agree with that. It's so fun. It's really good. Um, and honestly, if you haven't played Splatoon, you'd still totally fine to jump right into Splatoon 3. You don't really need to know anything about 1 and 2. Though... If you can get to Splatoon 2, maybe go grab a used copy and then buy the DLC because the story mode for the DLC in Splatoon 2 is just so good. And I think everyone should play it. You too, Jordan. Just kidding. <laughs> I don't know about that one. <laughs> how expensive that's an extra is the DLC? Cost, it's like David. 25 bucks, right? Yeah, something like that. But that's how you got Octolings in that game too. It would definitely so. confuse all my friends when like the notification pops up. Jordan is playing Splatoon 2. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I'm playing the story mode, dang it. <laughs> David told me I had to. <laughs> nah, you, you don't have to play it. I just like Octo Expansion a whole lot. Let's then go into kind of our overall review then. You know, give this a score and wrap it up. What do you think? Well, so back in our Virtual Boys podcast uh, with Splatoon 2, I said I would have given Splatoon 2 an 8, but because of like the big three things that I had issues with, I couldn't give it anything over. I think it was like a 5 or a 6. I think it was a 6. <laughs> <laughs> probably so you we're really harsh <laughs> so i'll give this the eight that splatoon 2 deserved but it wasn't able to achieve very good and that's high praise okay it would probably be higher if the story mode was better right well at least better for you yeah like i said this the story mode is fine it's fun i just it doesn't gravitate it i just don't gravitate towards it because it's missing uh just a, just like an ingredient to get me interested as for me i'd probably give it a solid nine nine and a half it's hard for me to pin down a number um i still want to finish 100 percenting story mode before i like lock in a number because i've heard there's like a secret once you clear every stage with every weapon 
that is really fun and difficult. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, it gets held back a little bit because I mean, the single player campaign is really good, but it did not like have a chokehold over me like Octo Expansion did. <laughs> I played Octo Expansion so much when that came out. Um, I think it's really great, really wonderful. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'd probably give it a solid nine right now um, with potential to go up if the upcoming DLC is really good. So it's going to be competing with Xenoblade for your game of the year? <laughs> I mean, maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah, probably. I still we need to have another episode with James where James and I finish uh, talking about Xenoblade because oh. I have some other opinions about it, too, because <laughs> <laughs> we actually didn't finish the game when we did our like first review. So we'll, we'll, we'll probably do that sometime <laughs> looking at our busy schedule. That might not be for a month or so, two months, probably not we'll until see. <laughs> December. Yeah, um, that gives me more time to play it uh, more because I still haven't like 100 percented it. I finished the game, but there's still a lot more to do. But then again, we still have so many games coming out. Uh, man, why'd you have to bring up that it's competing with Xenoblade in my head for game of the year? I can't choose now. I've got a couple months to sit on that. Whatever. Yeah, you, got <laughs> to, you, you got a while. You got some time. Just watch. Scarlet and Violet are going to take game of the year and you're going to be like, what is wrong with you, David? <laughs> That'll be a bit of a surprise, but it's possible. Maybe it's amazing. Maybe it's amazing. I mean, I kind of doubt it, but that's another discussion for another day. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the Scarlet uh, leaks to inevitably happen because they happen every single time. Yep. <laughs> I need to know what my uh, starter choices are going to end up looking like. Yeah. I wonder where those are. I don't understand why Game Freak doesn't just reveal the starter choice final evolutions before. They want it to be a surprise, Jordan. Jeez. (laughs) Everyone who plays Pokemon always goes online to like look it up anyway before making a decision. (laughs) Even on like day of release, because as soon as the game comes out, someone's going to post pictures. No, someone's going to post pictures the week before because inevitably some game store somewhere in the world, whether that be like somewhere in Latin America, Europe, or even here in North America, (laughs) someone's going to break street date. We're going to get the game uh, because someone's going to have a hack switch and they'll dump literally every single file online and we'll be able to see everything that's in the game like immediately. (laughs) You'll probably know before you even start the game. Yeah. Pokemon Madness is coming up. I'm sure there will be multiple episodes (laughs) where we talk about it. Other than that, I don't think there's much else to say about Splatoon 3, um, unless you've got anything else. I think I'm good. Cool. Well, we will definitely revisit the topic of Splatoon in the future. Um, I imagine we'll do another episode when the DLC comes out, you know, in what, a year, two years, however long it takes them. Um, But we highly recommend getting the game. You know, an A from Jordan is a phenomenal score for a game that he's not 100% (laughs) in love with. So I will say like this podcast in particular, I've. I seem to be a lot higher on my scores. Well, it's because we've been getting really high quality games and we're not just reviewing everything. Yeah. (laughs) With all that said, I guess we'll wrap up here. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nintendo Fusion podcast. We really appreciate you. Uh, If you have a moment, please be sure to leave a like, comment or a review, depending on what platform you're on. Doing so will help the algorithm uh, recognize that our show should be shared with other people like yourself, Um, you know, and Perhaps consider sharing the show with some of your friends. Word of mouth is a very effective form of advertising. 
uh, so that, you know, we can continue delivering some really great Nintendo based content to you. Also be sure to come and check out our discord channel, uh, head to nintenfusioncom slash discord to get an invite and chat with us and other people about pretty much anything Nintendo. Always looking forward to, uh, discussions about that. But with all that said, thanks again for listening to this episode and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye-bye. See ya.